Welcome to another conversation on the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Casey. When you reach a certain age, it's tempting to think that you know a lot. But one thing that getting older can do is add a dose of humility. It can point out just how much we don't know and how much we have to learn. And a lot of those questions come from getting older itself. And it's great to have an authority to turn to. And today we'll be talking with one, Kathleen Toomey. Kathleen oversees the brand positioning, advertising, marketing initiatives, and sales for all Riverwoods group communities. She also lends her decades of experience towards the evaluation and development of future projects. Most recently, she spearheaded the team that launched Riverwoods Durham, New Hampshire in 2018, selling out the independent living homes in just 29 days. She has more than 30 years' experience in marketing, advertising, and public relations, building brands for consumer products such as Timberland and Stonyfield Farm, as well as nonprofit higher educational institutions such as Babson College, Bentley University, and the University of New Hampshire. She began her career in ad agency work in New York City and later in ad agencies in Boston. She's directed the sales and marketing efforts of Riverwoods for more than 14 years. An experienced presenter, she's recently done a TEDx talk on aging. She's also a board member of several organizations, and she's a graduate of Fordham University with a master's degree in communications and Fairfield University with a bachelor's degree in literature. Kathleen Toomey also hosts the Seniority Authority podcast, and it's an excellent one, as well as a video series on New Hampshire PBS. You'll find links to both of them in the show notes. Kathleen, thanks so much for joining us. I am thrilled to be here. I love your podcast, and it's great to talk to a fellow podcaster. We don't get to do that that often. And my first question for you is, why is aging different today than ever before? That is such a great question, Joe, because today we are all, as you know, and your guests know, we're all living longer than we've ever lived before. So when Social Security started in 1940, 65 was the average life expectancy. Today, you can tack on 20 more years plus. So we never thought of retirement as a 20-year venture, but it is. So there's no roadmap for this. Nobody has done this or lived this long. And more of us are benefiting from new knees, new hips, and you get the new knee, new hip, keep going. So our grandparents didn't have that ability. So we're living longer and we're actually healthier than prior generations. So kind of a lot has changed about aging. You mentioned that there's no roadmap. And as someone who grew up pre-GPS, used to have those maps that did fold and put in the car. Remember this? Oh yeah, I remember those. That makes me uncomfortable. No roadmap. But there used to be a little bit of roadmap because retirements, as you mentioned, were shorter. They were, you got the gold watch and had a few years of relaxation. So what should people do now that there's no standard roadmap to follow? Well, I think people should set aside time to think about their life. And Joe, you're a perfect person to do this with because I really admire your coaching and your retirement coaching and the approach that you have to thinking about that. But if you had 20 years of your life and you said, okay, I got 20 years to look forward to, what am I going to do? The challenge with our society and where we are right now is 
you say retirement and everyone think retirement planning, everyone thinks finances. And yes, you know, you have to do that. It's like getting your oxygen mask on. You have to make sure you have enough finances. But at this point, you have them or you don't. <laughs> Pretty much, you know, you're not going to make a huge difference. So do your retirement financial planning, but then do the planning about your life. What is your meaning? What is your purpose? I'll use my parents as an example. My mom's parents died very early. Her big goal was to outlive her parents, to live past 60. So she did that. She raised her kids. My dad was an entrepreneur. He ran a business, very successful, sold it. Then they were both like, well, what what now? And their parents died. So, and most of their the older adults in their generation died. So they were kind of left to try to figure it out. We, you and I, and the people listening to us now, we have the advantage of knowing we've got this whole chapter we can plan. So you need to start thinking about what you want your life to be like. What do you want to be when you grow up? You have another shot at it. A great way to put it. And it's one of those things that's more complex than it may first appear because things change, other things come up. There are other things that are concerns that you have to factor in. And many people who are planning for retirement also have or anticipate caregiving responsibilities. What advice would you offer them about how to balance those two? Oh my gosh. I'm glad you brought that up because I am very positive about aging. I think aging is a great thing because if you're not aging, you're dead. (laughs) So don't we want to celebrate the fact that we are living another day, another month? Yes. Is aging hard? There's no question it's hard. It comes with losses. It comes with emotional losses and financial losses and losses of friends and, and spouses and sometimes even children. It is not easy, but it is better than the alternative. Not everyone gets the gift of aging. So I would like personally for the world to start appreciating aging instead of denigrating it. Uh, Celebrate it. Don't denigrate it. Don't beat up on yourself because here are things you can't do anymore. Think You and I just had a conversation. You're a, a really, really expert marathoner, but you have learned to adjust and run like you want to run, but run differently. And that's what I would challenge everyone to think about is to not let a lack of imagination get in the way of your planning. So we are all, our bodies are changing. Our circumstances are changing. The next five years are not going to look like the last five years, but there's pluses and minuses to that. One thing that I find people are shocked about is that 70% of us in the US over 65 are going to need some form of long-term care. That's 70%. So I know every listener is saying, well, yeah, not me. (laughs) The other, I am the 30% that's not going to apply to. I would say, think about that and research what you're going to do when you need long-term care, because more than likely you will. 
everyone wants to live long and die short, as they say. You want to live a long, happy, healthy life, then get hit by a bus and die. And I'm here to tell you that doesn't happen. I live in this world. I work in this world. And you need to be prepared to be able to think about care. And the more prepared you are, the more you plan ahead, the more choices you have and the better you'll feel about it because you're going to be thinking about what your needs will be. Don't stick your head in the sand and pretend it's never going to happen to you. And then you will have an advantage over most other people. Most other people are not thinking about this, but clearly your podcast listeners are planners because they're thinking about this and they want to get smarter about it. They also know there are a lot of buses out there that could <laughs> could, could get well, you know, My dad lives in New Hampshire and his, <laughs> his uh, big thing is, you know, I'm just going to wake up and get hit by a bus one day. I'm like, well, dad, there's no buses in New Hampshire. You don't take a bus. And he's been hospitalized 10 times in the last seven months. And wow. my parents did not make a plan. And I am their solution. I am the sole caregiver for two 90-year-olds with multiple comorbidities. And I tell you, your kids, it it's a second job for them. And you just really need to think about how do you want, what is your legacy? Is your legacy that your children will become your caretakers? Or do you want to do something nice for them and make a plan? Well said. Appreciate you sharing your personal experience on that. You mentioned long-term care before. What are some of the options that people have in planning for long-term care? Well, number one is long-term care insurance. And so we, some of your listeners may have invested in long-term care insurance. The industry went through a gigantic upheaval in the last 10 years because it was a very popular insurance product. Wasn't necessarily priced correctly. So people bought it, they loved it, but then the insurance companies realized how costly it was and the premiums went up and some companies went completely out of the business. It's stabilized now. So I think there is less risk of premium upheavals like we've seen in the past. So that's one option. Medicare doesn't pay for a long-term care for the care that you need at home other than the 100 days after a three-night qualifying stay in the hospital. So for those folks who aren't as familiar as I am with the hospital, you need to have currently with Medicare, you need to have three overnight stays in the hospital that are categorized as admitted. Hospitals today can either categorize you as under observation, which doesn't count towards your Medicare days, or admitted. So if you have someone in the hospital, you want to make sure that they are admitted. Once they're there for three nights, they get 100 days of Medicare, assuming that the person who's receiving the care hits those marks, makes progress. So people are spending a lot more money at home with caregivers and, and having personal experience with this. I will tell you that it's challenging to get qualified, reliable caregivers for the hours you need them. So one option is long-term care insurance. The second option is if you're going to be getting it delivered to you at home, 
I would recommend researching right now who those companies are. Do they have a wait list? What is their hourly rate, overnight rate, and weekend rate? So you have a sense of what your costs are going to be. The biggest fallacy that people have when they think about retirement is they say, I'm going to age in place. And I'm putting quote marks in for your listeners. Age in place. Age in place means nothing. Age in place is a way to say, I'm going to stay in my house and ignore the world and myself changing. So if you want to age in place, you have to modify your home. You have to set aside money for internal caregivers. You have to make a plan. You have to share it with your financial advisor, your kids, et cetera. You can't just stay in your home and say, I'm aging in place because that's not a plan. So my big message to your listeners is no matter what age you are, assuming you're, let's say, over 60, make a plan, cost it out, share it with your financial advisor, your elder care attorney or attorney, your kids, and think about that. And if your plan is that your kids are going to take care of you, tell them, (laughs) let them in on that. Say, I'm going to move in with you or you're going to be my plan and have that conversation because you owe it to them to just put that out there. The other option you have, which I'm a huge fan of, is a continuing care retirement community or a life plan community. These are insurance products as well. They just don't look like an insurance product. So there's about 1,800 around the country. Most of them, 85% of them are not for profit. Some are for profit. And this is a community where you move in as an independent adult. So you have to pass a cognitive test and a physical assessment. And you live there and pay a monthly fee and you get the equivalent of one meal a day and transportation and activities and social engagement and home and home maintenance is taken care of, all the landscaping, et cetera. And as you age, if you need additional care, you get that care within the community. So if you need assisted living, memory support, skilled nursing, you get it right there at a reduced cost. A lot of people are not aware of the CCRC or life plan community model. I know I would need more than one meal per day, but (laughs) but I I appreciate appreciate that. And you mentioned the CCRCs, and that's one of those acronyms. There are a lot of acronyms in retirement planning. And that's one that sounds familiar, but may not know as much as we need to. What do people need to know about continued care retirement communities? Well, first of all, I think what is most important is you should check it out. There are many people I know, especially living here in New England, who say, I love my home. I love my privacy. I'm not moving. There's a cost to not moving just as there's a cost to moving. I think what you need to know about CCRCs or continuing care retirement communities is that there are three major types of contracts, A, B, and C. And they differ in terms of what you pay for and when you pay for it. But the majority of them, as I said, are not-for-profit. Many of them will give you your entrance fee back after you pass away. So it's a way to take care of yourself and also leave money for your children. And the contracts differ, the organizations differ, 
I think you want to make sure that the organization is financially strong. I've actually written a guide called the Insider's Guide to Choosing a CCRC, which if you'd like, I can offer to your listeners. It's it's free. I'll make it available. And you can download this guide and go anywhere from Arkansas to Alaska to Idaho and walk into a CCRC and ask these questions about their financial standing, their history of monthly service fee increases. So it's all the technical stuff. But what I would say is that moving to a community like this means you haven't given up. You are ready to make a new best friend at 72 or 69 or 90, that you're open to meeting people, to getting involved in political action groups and learning a new skill or a new craft or a new trade. It's a way of opening you up to people because so often as we age, things around us change. So our neighborhood changes. People pass away or they move to Florida. They move to be near their kids. Other people move in and they're busy and they've got young kids and you don't have the same connections. And what we know is that having social connections is a huge determinant of your health, of your cognitive well-being, and that this is one of the most important things you can do for yourself. But it's harder, and it's harder when you stop driving at night. And it's harder if you live in an area where it's more remote. But here, you have as much privacy as you want, but you open your door, and you just know people. You know people to go get coffee in the morning. You see the same people at the fitness classes where you're going to going to. And everything is just easier. It's you don't have to put on your jacket and boots and drive to the gym. It's right there. A pool is right there. So it just makes living a little bit easier and connecting with people is very natural and organic. So it sounds like one key thing is understanding those three different options, the contracts, the details, and what's going to be really fit best. Yes, I think it's understanding the contracts. So one thing that I can tell you about all CCRCs is the pricing generally is always reflective of the size of home that you want to live in. So at Riverwoods, we are an organization in New Hampshire. We are the largest independent family of communities in New Hampshire. And we have in one community, we have a, everything from a studio to a freestanding home with a two-car garage and, and in two levels. So we have 40 different prices. So the one thing I would say is don't assume you can't afford it. Do the research, talk to them and understand the cost of living in your own home and what you are going to need when it comes to caregiving. We know that the majority of our money is spent on caregiving the last 20% of our lives. If you join a not-for-profit CCRC, it's going to be less money when you need the care. And importantly, it is an organization that is not trying to make their quarterly numbers for the shareholders. So when you are at that point, when you need skilled nursing, when you are in memory support, when you are at your most vulnerable, 
You want an organization that is putting you first, not efficiency and dollar value. That is huge. If you're ever going to spend money in your life, make sure that you have that quality of care when you move to a CCRC. And I would recommend anyone that goes to a CCRC or a life plan community, if you're going and you're checking it out, walk through the health center, do the sniff test, see what people look like. How are they? What are they doing? And we made this change a while back at Riverwoods because people wanted to see the independent living, the pool and the pottery studio and the art studio and the fitness classes. And they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to look at healthcare. And now we require that everybody see healthcare because nobody wants to admit that they might need it. But when you need it, you want to know that that quality of care is available to you. Thanks for making us smarter about CCRCs. Really appreciate it. Welcome. Shift My gears. favorite topic. <laughs> I want to shift gears for a minute because I know you also have a great podcast. And I'm wondering what led you to create your podcast and what's one or two of your favorite guests so far? Uh, well, I created a podcast because of a cocktail party. Um, <laughs> this was pre-COVID. so. I live in this small town in Southern New Hampshire, Exeter, New Hampshire, and I've worked for Riverwoods for about 15 years. And so when I would go, and I've done this for 15 years, but recently I would go to cocktail parties. Somebody would come up and buttonhole me and say, hey, you know, I think my mom is having trouble with her memory. How do I know if it's something serious or something normal? And I go get another drink and somebody would say, hey, my dad needs assisted living. What's assisted living? How do I find a good assisted living? So I'm in marketing. I'm not a healthcare provider, but I am a really persistent, sometimes annoying person. So I would go track down somebody smart at Riverwoods and say, how do you know the difference between the signs of dementia and something more normal? How do you know what's good assisted living? That call my friend up and do that. And this kept happening and happening. And I thought, I'm a boomer. There's a lot of us out there. And I live in this world. But everyone else that is doing other things, suddenly they're hit with these questions when they're trying to help their parents and they don't know where to go. And why don't I elevate the answers so more people can hear about it? And why don't I see what other kinds of questions people have? So it was just a, it was just a kind of crazy idea. And I went to my CEO who's used to me having, and she said, that's a crazy idea, but don't spend too much money and you can go do it. So I painted a wall in a conference room, got some podcasting equipment and knowing nothing about podcasting, I started. And it's been really exciting because people have responded. They've said, I want to know how to apply for Medicaid. I want to know how to, what I need to know about sex when I'm older. I would, I need to know about how to stay fit. And so I have the ability and the great gift to be able to track people down all over the country. And one guy from London and track down people who are these super smart writers and authors and researchers and say, would you answer this question for me? 
And it's been wonderful. And the podcast, which is called Seniority Authority, and the sub, our tagline is, let's get smarter about growing older. We organize the podcast in groupings of categories because one of the questions I've had, for example, is how do I talk to my parents about this? Or for parents, how do I talk to my kids about this? So you can go in as a busy person and say, I want to listen to this topic. I want to listen to that topic. And you can pick and choose. So I like it because it's I'm answering questions with every interview. I'm saying, what should our listeners do next week if they want to start doing this? So it's practical. And I hope that it's helpful. It's been exciting because our local public broadcasting station got very excited about it. And they asked me to record some one minute little snippets for them. So now I'm on New Hampshire PBS, these little one minute things. And and now they want to do a half hour show. So that's really cool. It's a benefit of living in a small state, right? <laughs> but I think what's What's interesting is it's resonating with people who I hope in this country are starting to feel more positively about aging because there's so much ageism. I hate the birthday cards. I did a whole TED talk, TEDx talk, all around birthday cards and how horrible they are. And they just are so negative. And I really want to change that. So providing information to people is one way to make aging less scary. And to say, guess what? There's a lot of us doing this and we're going to figure it out together. Absolutely. And who stands out among your guests that you'd say, boy, it's hard to sometimes say this, these are my favorites, but which one or two would you say you've learned something really interesting from? Well, I have to say two. And first is Dr. Bob Waldinger, who is so fabulous. He was very, very generous to me when I started out. He was one of my first three podcasts. And he is director of Harvard's Study for Adult Development. And they did a study that has been going on for 70 years about how what are the key elements to live a long, happy, and healthy life, but mostly long, happy life. And he just came out with a fantastic book this January called The Good Life, which is summarizes his findings. But basically, it boils down to one thing. So you don't have to read the book, but you can. I would highly recommend it. What they found after interviewing people, and John F. Kennedy was one of the subjects. There was all kinds of, of Harvard men, because it was all men when they started out. And they looked at the books in their living rooms, and they looked at their financial success, marital, children, spiritual practice, exercise, nutrition, philanthropy. And they found that one thing was consistent with all of them. Good relationships mean you live a happier, longer life. And so when I said to him, well, good relationships, so I'm single, does that mean I'm doomed for an unhappy life? And he said, no, it's a small core of good relationships, but it's also the second core of people you know at the dry cleaner, understanding who your postman is, saying hello to the same people that you walk by on a regular basis. It's that fabric, that social fabric 
that is as important as those deeper relationships. So he was fantastic. I love him. And then Arthur Brooks, who I am such a fan of Arthur Brooks, who teaches Harvard's most popular class, which is Leadership and Happiness. And he had a podcast, has a podcast. He's a writer for The Atlantic. And he just came out with a fantastic book, I guess about a year ago, which I highly recommend to anyone who's thinking about retirement, which is called From Strength to Strength. And it's not only his philosophy of how to redefine your life, it's actually what he did. He walked away from a very successful think tank career in DC and uh, moved to Boston, changed his whole life. and. He talks about the values and the the importance of purpose wherever you are. And I think that's what many of us who are facing retirement are thinking about is the reason I thought I was here is done. I've raised my family. I've launched my kids. I sold my business. I've had a success. Now what? And he talks about this Japanese concept of ikigai, which is loosely translated as the reason to get up in the morning. So if we're still here, we're not done yet. There's still a reason that we're here. And you just have to find what that reason and what that purpose is. And that's what you do, Joe, so well. You help people find their purpose and their reason through your coaching. And it's different for everyone and it's not easy. If it's easy, everyone will be doing it, but it's not easy, but it's, I think, worth the effort. I appreciate that. And I find often that for many people, especially early in retirement, there's a multi-purpose retirement that's available that's easier to find. And then sometimes one more significant purpose can emerge from those early purposes, plural. But uh, great point. Those are two phenomenal guests and appreciate sharing some of the lessons that they highlighted. Thanks so much for making us smarter about many things today, aging, CRCs and other things, long-term care, positive view of aging, et cetera. Great to have the opportunity to talk with you again. Thank you so much, Joe. If any of your listeners have questions about aging, reach out to me at info at senioritiauthority.org. I want to hear your questions and I loved being part of this podcast. I so admire you, Joe, for everything you do, podcasting and consulting and just being such a super smart person. So I appreciate that. And listeners will find that contact info, the link to get the guide and link to the podcast, Seniority Authority in the show notes. Thanks again, Kathleen. Thank you. So it's time to compare notes on what you're taking away from this conversation today. I'll share my ideas of three for your consideration, but make sure you're jotting down your own. Number one, celebrate getting older. I think her point of celebrating aging is so key, and there's research behind it. If you have a positive attitude toward aging, you actually will live longer. And yes, as the late Elle McGuire would say, it's not all seashells and balloons. There'll be challenges, and you'll need to make adjustments. But keep an eye out for the opportunities that a longer, life offers. Number two, do your homework. The good news is with that optimistic view in celebrating aging, you may live longer. But what's your plan for long-term care? Do your homework, look at the options, understand the choices that you have, 
and get sound advice and then develop a plan. You'll find a place to start with a link in the show notes to the guide that Kathleen mentioned in our conversation, an insider's guide to choosing a CCRC if that's of interest. Number three, what's your ikigai? And that's a Japanese concept that Kathleen mentioned. It's a good one. What are those things that will keep you getting up in the morning? So get engaged in activities that will allow that purpose, that new purpose to emerge for you. It isn't often clear when you're in the middle of transition, but if you're engaged in trying some new things and get engaged in meaningful opportunities, one or two may emerge more quickly than you think. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. You can browse all of our episodes at our website, retirementwisdom.com. It's essentially a free retirement school. A lot of great guests like Kathleen, a lot of great topics that you can browse.